Welcome to another Mike Flanders podcast. Today I am with producer-engineer Bill Warner, who I've known now for probably six, seven years. Um, he's originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Young, you... Youngstown, Ohio. There you go. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> Welcome, Bill. Yeah. So it's Glad kind to be of, here. It's kind of an interesting one. I'm trying to break up a, a lot of different individuals through these podcasts and make it as interesting as I can for people. As you know, I've done songwriters, people I've produced, people I've wrote with, radio people, my, some of my favourite musicians that I admire. Um, and Bill is kind of fits under a lot of that umbrella. Um, we met through a mutual friend and um, I realised his skill set and uh, we've collaborated on several albums and uh, a couple of really great ones. Um, but I'm going to first open this by letting Bill tell a bit of his backstory and then we'll dive into some of the things we've done together and uh, blah, blah, blah. Sure. So uh, I come from a musical family in Youngstown, Ohio. My dad had a, uh, an orchestra there uh, that was pretty popular, I guess. And uh, he also had a recording studio. So my upbringing was very interesting. Uh, at that time, during the 60s, there was a lot of musical activity, <clears throat> excuse me, in Youngstown because it was a uh, Youngstown was a melting pot. It was a, kind of like a mini Chicago, and it was very ethnic. So um, because of the ethnicity in the area, I think uh, music was a big part of a lot of people's culture. So uh, people like Phil Kagi came out of there, and just all kinds of, of uh, musicians. But uh, one of my earliest memories is uh, seeing my dad's. Uh, orchestra and also being in his recording studio, a glass harp actually, if you're a Phil Kagey fan, uh, recorded there initially. And uh, it was just, uh, it was a great uh, upbringing in the, in the exposure to, to a lot of uh, musical elements. I have four sisters, no one pursued music uh, out of my family except for me in terms of uh, full time. But uh, it, it was a, it was a very interesting uh, time uh, to to be around all that music so what uh, what year did you decide oh i'm gonna head down to this tennessee area? sure well um i went to i played rock music through my teen years and then i decided i needed to go to college and figure out <clears throat> why i was playing what i was playing so <laughs> i really hit the books and uh, learned theory and i studied arranging in college uh to this day i just love chords and arrangements i'm completely uh smitten with that aspect of, of music. And I met my wife in college. We got married out of college. And uh, her name's Kirsty Manna. She's a professional songwriter here in Nashville. And she... Uh, She's had some hits. Yep, she yep. had. She wrote uh, Blake Shelton's first number one, Austin. Yes. Which continues to be an amazing thing to this day. So um, we went on the road after we got married and then ended up in Nashville... Went to L.A. briefly. That didn't work out. We weren't quite prepared for that scene. And uh, then went, went on the road. Got to Nashville in the late 80s, I think it was. Um, and at that time, uh, I had a, we met some friends uh, in our neighborhood. And uh, Leigh Reynolds um, was writing for Reba. And he said, hey, there, she's uh, got a demo studio there. They need an engineer. I had never engineered uh, in my life, but I'd been around it, you know, I was, was more interested in the musical aspect of it. So I started working there, and uh, about six months later, I parlayed that into a uh, full-time engineering job over in Berry Hill. 
right. uh, working for Mark Mosley at Sound Control. Right. So uh, then from there, I just went freelance, and then I was on staff at Oak Valley Sound uh, in the mid-'90s. I worked a lot at Hilltop Studios, um, did a lot of Southern Gospel, right, uh, which right. was uh, very interesting. Um, we're cutting, you know, four vocals at once, cutting quartets, so you had to learn how to be on your toes. Yeah, right, yeah. And uh, that's, that's, in a nutshell, that's my, my story. And I, I've been uh, basically producing for the last 15, 20 years. I, I still do some engineering. I do all my own engineering. Obviously. And yeah. I've got some uh, clients, uh, but uh, mainly producing music. Cause, so were you yeah. in a point where, when, when the publishing side of Nashville was just exploding around that Garth era, and mm-hmm. so that, that's like... Was that like 90 to 96 or something, was it? Or yeah. 89 to 96? When did that, when was the explosion? It, it was definitely in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, there was the double sale situation. You know, people were buying CDs that they already owned vinyl copies of. Yeah, so right. the industry was extremely fat at that so, time. So at that point, being having the production, but the engineering skills, were you just getting flooded with phone calls to, to you know, oh, we need an engineer and that's the hat you'd put on some days and different hats the other days because of the... I know it was crazy. Everyone yeah. tells me when, you know, that blew up, you know, the work in this town was just obscene. It was it was really fun. Um, I missed the hang from those days, you know. Yeah. I'd be in three different studios some days. Because, really? Well, yeah, because everything had to take place on two-inch tape, so yep. you didn't have home recording to speak of. No. Uh, so everybody's working in a professional environment. And, uh, of course, you see a lot of your buddies going in and out and stuff. It, yeah, was, yeah. it was a really fun time. Yeah, right, right. So that answers the question. Basically, some days you were just an engineer? Yeah. Well, yeah, at that time, I, I didn't... I don't think I produced anything until maybe the 95 or something. Right. Um, I worked with an artist at that time named, uh, her name is Lacey Younger, and I'm still working with her to this day. That's correct. We're working on a 14-song project right now we've been picking away at. So, um, yeah, she's been a really a good friend over the years. And So when I first uh, had met you and men- mentioned you to certain people, they were like, Oh, you should see just the amount of gear that Bill stored in his basement. <laughs> I mean, so are you just buying stuff and just? Well, I've kind of, I've, I've kind of gotten over that. Now I'm a plug-in addict. Yeah, okay, okay. I've got every subscription to every plug-in. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. And right. I, I love that aspect of it. That kind of started. Um, had an opportunity to park down in Music Row uh, and track at a studio at uh, 1010 17th. It's been a number of different places. It was. Uh, probably best known for Buddy Killen's place, okay, Killen's yeah, yeah. songs, that, that yeah, studio. Yeah. So I had an opportunity to, to park there and, and do a lot of tracking. And as a result, my home studio, all I could do was basically work in the box. Yeah, right. Which, uh, to those of you that don't know yeah. out there, in the box means in a computer. You're yeah. not doing anything externally yeah. uh, in terms of processing. So I started doing that, and I really liked it. I liked the uh, repeatability. I liked the control. Yep. And having experienced the uh, gear that's em- often emulated by these plugins, they've come really close. That's scary, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, analog yeah. tape processors and, yeah. and uh, tube and transistor emulators yeah. and things like that. 
So it's, you know, about 95% there. There's still a little mojo that's missing. Yeah. But, uh, but it just, uh, that, that 5% that's missing, it's, it's it then depends on the listener and what they're listening to. Sure. If you you're know, not A-being it, you, you don't know, even know what you're missing. You don't know what you don't know. people are listening through the little computer speakers or their car or whatever. Sure. And, uh, you know, on, it, and it ends up on an MP3. Yeah, yeah. So you know, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm struggling with something right at this moment that I want to show you when we're done with this. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm the same as you. I had another engineer um, want me to play a slide part for him, and he said, "I want you to use your six one seven six, and then I want you to use the, you know, um, version emulated emulated version. Uh-huh. version, and send them both to me and see if I can hear the difference." Uh-huh. Wow. He was like, man. Yeah. Which which one's which? So, back, yeah, back to my previous point with the amount of control you get with the plug-in and the repeatability, I, I'll forego that 5% oh, yeah. of mojo if, if I can. Now, sometimes if I... You know, if I'm working on a project and uh, we we can go to Blackbird, now that's oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's Different a story, candy yeah. store for yeah, yeah, engineers yeah, yeah, and producers. Yeah, yeah. You, you get to re- work with the real stuff. I get to cut acoustic guitars through a yeah. thirty thousand dollar Fairchild. <laughs> I know, yeah, 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 so yeah that's yeah, fun. Yeah. yeah, but if you're working at home and you're cutting a vocal or something, you've still got your favorite pre's that you're going through. Sure. Uh, this year, I, I got another uh, vocal mic that I'm. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm absolutely uh, loving. I got a Chandler Red, mm. and uh, that's an interesting design. That has a tube preamp built into the mic circuit on board. And it uh, kind of sounds like a gimmick, but, you know, Chandler stuff is, is awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's legit. Yeah. And uh, I've been having a lot of fun with that. It just loves girl vocals, and I work yeah. with a lot of This one loves girls. girl vocals. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's a, a kind of reminiscent of the Sony 800. Uh, well, that's an unbelievable yeah, microphone. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's amazing. I used to borrow Blake Chansey's uh, back in the day when yeah. I was next door neighbors to yeah. him, you know. And, uh, and, and I believe he got a couple of them given to him when he worked at Sony. Uh-huh. And, and he had one sitting there or two sitting there. I can't remember now. His collection was amazing, you yeah. know. Because my original place, I don't know if you ever came to it, was on 18th Avenue. Okay. And RPM were next door. Okay. So and then Blake built, before they knocked all that down, I don't know if you ever went into, he called it Disgracelands. No. Yeah, no, you know, it was in Gracelands, but okay. just disgrace. <laughs> and uh, they had spent all that money on that, that room and then game over. They, yeah. they come in and offered them huge money for that right. knockdown and now it's apartments there, Jeez. you know. It was, the whole thing was kind of sad. Yeah. Well, um, I'll tell you a little anecdote about uh, this Chandler mic. Um, my neighbor does monitors, my neighbor Clark, uh, for a green day. So I'd see him out in the neighborhood and say, hey, you should stop over sometime, um, check out my place. You you know, you might be surprised <laughs> what's yeah. across the street. Yeah. So uh, he he knocks on the door a couple weeks ago, and there's an English guy with him and another tall guy. Well, that's the uh, front of house for Green Day and, and a friend. There, he, he was, uh, I think, Billy Corgan. He was doing front of house for him as well. They You're were right. playing. Smashing pumpkins. Yeah, they were <laughs> playing at the, uh, at the Ryman. So they, they see the mic, and uh, the front of house guy, which I don't know his name, that's embarrassing, he says, oh, yeah, I want to try that on a guitar. I'm thinking, you're going to take this microphone and jam it in front of a cabinet? Really? I said, you're drunk with power. Yeah. <laughs> Access. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we we, we all love our microphones. Yes, the 563. You know, so, uh, man, I'm the same as you. I, I think that's, you know, I love even, you know, this with girl, you know, this classic road mm -hmm. with... Uh, Female vocal through my 6176 is my favorite chain, you know. Sure. But uh, let's flip to um, um, there's a bunch of different projects, you know. You know Bill and I worked on, um, you know, when uh, I moved from what we classify as Music Row, we then moved to the new Music Row before we all had to force ourselves to work from our house. <laughs> um, but um, I had a, a place and shared a place in Berry Hill and Bill used to bring in this refrigerator uh, worth of equipment to, to, to work on anything because I didn't have enough nice toys for, that he wanted to tweak with. <laughs> so we did a bunch of different projects together there um, and we did get to work on a really cool project, uh, didn't we, at uh, Ocean Way a while back. Yes. Um, a couple of years ago now. But... Um, we took ourselves over to Ocean Way Studio B and uh, Bill engineered a, a really nice soul project and then we collaborated with, uh, I think it's seven or eight times Grammy Award winning um, producer, Commissioner Gordon, Commissioner sure. Gordon Williams. Sure. So uh, that was probably the most exciting one we had done collectively, I would think, wouldn't you? Or uh, Yeah, it was very satisfying musically. Um Near Z on drums, of course, is yeah. always a treat to hear. I know. Um, we were both a little shocked that day. <clears throat> there's, I mean, that's that's one thing about being able to work here in Nashville that you really get spoiled. Yeah. And I feel bad. There are so many people that I could call for a, a date, and you know, you got to pick one. Unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, it's it's frustrating because I really enjoy working with a lot of different people. And they bring a lot to the party, but unfortunately, like I say, you can only use one chair at a time. So, but it's that makes it really fun. Well, I, you know, and I'm a, I'm a massive fan and uh, of the more organic Americana music. Sure. And uh, you know, I I was introduced, as you know, to Dave Francis years and years ago. Who, you know, I think I introduced him to you, didn't I? Yeah, I yeah. just had him over a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And had him playing acoustic on yeah, some stuff. Yeah, that's what I I think. You know, I just love his acoustic yeah. playing. You know, and uh, and um, it was funny that you know we would uh, get together to work on something, and I would play acoustic guitar on the scratch track. You know, and and he'd come in and say, "Why am I replacing this?" Or, "Will you sound better?" And, like, yeah. and eventually, I've been doing a lot of my own acoustics lately, but. Um, it was funny when you go through these particular musicians. Um, he admires um, Pat McGrath. Mm -hmm. Have you I had him over a couple of weeks ago? Too. Did you really? Oh yeah, yeah. Because it was funny because I used to say to to, to Dave, um, coming from where I come from, and then you don't ever get to visualize these people play. Mm -hmm. You know, like I got to visualize Sam Bush play mandolin. Sure. You know, and this close. Sure. And you go, oh, you know. And the thing about what we learn in this town is they are the greatest players in the world. Mm -hmm. They are, aren't they? Yeah. And, and I, I used to say to Dave, you know, how do you get that sound and it's so clean? Well, when you come like we do and we grow up playing rock or mm -hmm. country or whatever, 90% right. of our education is cover songs. Right. That's our, you know, that's, that's our how Bach learned how to write. He was a yep. music copyist. There you go. And so for him. We, so we get into that. But when we play live, we play with a very different attack. Mm -hmm. 
and the and then this is a, a subtlety that I you know have picked up I would say more recently having to do smaller budget projects try and skimp and save to do it yourself right and go okay Mike it's time to man up and control what you're doing right right so I started to really think about what David told me and what Dave had learned from Pat because he said I used to watch Pat's right hand mm-hmm. um, and Dave uses a very heavy pick mm-hmm. and I always used a medium okay so I started to sit in front of this microphone and play acoustic guitar mm-hmm. with a heavy pick mm-hmm. and played really gently yeah okay and that that brush stroke that that he gets that Nashville brush stroke right. is the fact that the heavy pick against the strings with a lighter touch mm-hmm. gives you way more clarity. Sure. Because when you hit the guitar hard, it compresses and then it compresses everything else. Right. So it was just little things that I've started, right. even at our age, that you then are bringing to your own projects that you didn't even know. Yeah. But he's watched what he classified his favourite acoustic guy. And I wonder then, would Sutton be McGrath's Sutton uses a heavy pick too. I think. The, yeah. yeah. So you'd have Sutton, the McGrath, and it goes down this chain of, right. you know. But I think that's the most interesting thing, and that I've learned from being here. And obviously, you know, my relationship with steel guitar player Mike Daly mm. is I was such a fan before I ever met him, right. listening to him on all these records and sure. then getting to be a friend, you know, mm-hmm. and then working with him on Renaissance and other things I've worked with him on over the years. But the same thing is watching. And uh, another big light that come on inside my brain one day was Dan Dugmore. Mm-hmm. You know, steel, being a steel guitar player, you, you're always challenged with complexity. And you listen to this amazing, you know, uh, right hand. And a lot of it, everything's right hand, right? right? So, sure, we do what we do with our left hand, but right hand is everything on these instruments. And um, watching um, some of these players up so close, I got to watch, you know, Al Perkins. Right. You know, I did a bluegrass record with Al, right. Tammy Rogers, Pat McGrath, Dave Francis playing oh, how fun is that? Yeah. that was and we yeah. cut it all live on a floor a few yeah. years back um, but um, to have your favorite steel players and Al Perkins is a whole different ball game as you know you know mm-hmm. he's like what they call a Californian you know right you know but then um, of course Dan started there too yeah that's and, and that's the interesting thing is as I was going through uh, when I was working still for Pacific International Music I had a lot more choice mm-hmm and a lot more budget to pick and choose, right? right. So I got to spoil myself yeah. by saying, well, on these three songs, I might hire. Right. But I have a, I have a Dan story, if I may tell. Yeah, yeah I, I'll, I, I'll bring my Dan story back to you. So Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, Dan told me, um, you know, of course, a lot of players uh, do stuff over the internet. They'll, you know, get have people ask them to overdub parts. Yep. So kind of the, the standard for most people that do that is they'll give options to the client that requests a, an overdub, uh, usually three, mm-hmm. and then expecting the client to comp it down, you know, mm-hmm. and create their, their favorite parts. So <clears throat> Dan told me about a call he got from a guy in England who asked him to overdub on, on something. Dan says, sure. So <laughs> the track arrives, Dan says it's nine minutes long. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So he said, about halfway through, I played every lick that I know. <laughs> so, 
he he sends the guy three different files, as is you know typically the case. And several months go by, and he gets an email from the guy. He says, "Hey, I finished that project. Would you like to hear it?" So of course, Dan says, "Well, yeah, by all means, send it on." So he gets it back, and he's got the guy put all three steel parts playing simultaneously from start to finish. <laughs> Goodness, it's nuts. Yeah. Oh my I god. I love that story. Well, and you know, the funny thing is, is you know, you know, Mike Daly when he was doing Renaissance, I uh, I had met Greg Lees, you know, and I so I put them together to do that, and and um, I said, how'd it go, Mike? You know, did you? you know, is it Greg just did one pass that he loved, mm -hmm. and that's what I got. Yeah. It wasn't going to be any different. It's Greg Lees, you know, but I have a couple of different Doug Moore things. But so to, 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 to reflect on that and my personal love for the steel guitar, and I don't know why we're going down this road, but it, it is interesting. Um, I, I got to, to meet Dan and then have him on a session, mm -hmm. and I watched him play, you know, this close, yeah. you know, two feet away. And... The touch, as we know, is glorious. Yeah. The feel is glorious. Right. The tone is glorious. You know it's him with the yep. three notes. And it was the simplicity and the beauty that I started to stop challenging myself. Mm. Is sometimes less is more. Right. Space he, and right. tone. He's definitely... And, and that's the thing I learned from Dan. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, the funny thing is when I do bump into him, I know he's been sick lately, but mm. I do bump into him occasionally and he knows I have a, a white steel guitar and he... He, and he said to me several times, he says, hey, Mike, you still got that white steel? I said, yeah. And he says, you know what's so cool about a white guitar? Rusty Young used to have one you know, yeah. in poker. When the lights change on stage, right. it changes colour. You know, so it's, it, he's such a character. I'll that, tell you another little inside trade thing about Dan. If you ever want Dan to feel bad... Uh, if you've hired him on a session, put something other than a 57 in front of his amp. <laughs> he doesn't like any mic really? but a 57. Well, he knows it's going to work, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can you blame the guy? Nope. <laughs> no, well, Mike said that when he played on Renaissance, he used his uh, Blue Bayou show bud mm -hmm. and through the old, I can't remember what Fender amp it was, but his old, the Fender he used back then with the 15-inch speaker mm -hmm. in it. Yep. And that, that's the tone, yep. you know. So, uh, and he does have a show pro, as you know, too. But uh, and he, I think that's what he just wanders around with it. Uh, but I believe he has on the property a house that was originally on his farm and then yep. they built a house. I don't know if you've been out there. Yep. And he calls it something like, it, like it's a joke with Abbey Rose, like Grabby Road or <laughs> something. I, I forget. Yeah, I forget too, yeah. but it's some funny name. But, uh, but anyway... Um, you know, having Bill Warner here today was really to introduce people to Nashville's greatest engineers and uh, and talk about things that I haven't been talking about. Um, the beautiful thing is Bill is walking distance from my house. Um, he walks in the same neighbourhood I walk. Yep. I've been doing a four-mile walk past you practically every day, nice. except now it's getting too cold to walk. Um but yeah, well, we, my wife and I, have both become friends with uh, with Bill and his wife. My wife's written songs with his wife, and so we have a real relationship. Um, and if I get called to do something that's what I would classify as a big project, uh, Bill will be my one of my you know, well, my main phone call to engineer, um, even though he has the probably high level production skills. But uh, 
So I'll, you know, we'll we'll collaborate in that area. So uh, it's fun to know. wear the other hat sometimes because most of the time I do produce. So yeah. it's fun to sit there and watch somebody else and just focus on sound. And we have had some you funny know, because moments. I, I don't I don't I try to remove myself from thinking too much about yeah. musical considerations. I, I I leave that to somebody else. That's not what I'm there for. Yeah. Well, and you're such a, a great tone puller, and. You know, you pulled the best drum tones out of that silly room we had over in Berry Hill. and uh, I was listening you know, to some stuff we cut there, and it... It was pretty good, It eh? actually worked far better than you would expect it to. You I know? know. Well, I think it's also those, <clears throat> your uh, Royers, too, right? Yeah, well, no, uh, at that time, uh, I had mod, modded a couple of ribbon mics. I re-ribboned yeah. them. Right. Uh, Nadies. And uh, I re-ribboned them, and I put new transformers in, Lundahl transformers. Right. And those things, um, they I need to repair them. They're, they're uh, only ones working at this time. I'm not sure, but I, I think someone, that's what we use for the overheads. Someone told me they knocked that building down, too. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Well, that was, speaking of Blake Chansey, that was across the street from uh, what used to be uh, Ron Chansey's place in uh, yeah. Westwood, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. And they knocked down the old the building directly across. Okay, uh, where that keyboard blind keyboard player was. Right, uh, Johnny Neal. Yes, yeah, they, they knocked that down. Yeah, so they're knock, <clears throat> knocking a lot of stuff over. Oh boy, this town is just blowing up, isn't it? You yeah, know? It's, uh, I hope it doesn't lose its unique yeah. uh, nature because it's it's definitely they're they're doing the best to turn it into a, a really big city, and, like in an Atlanta. Yes, yeah. and uh, of course with that comes a lot more issues it, mm. you know you can, you can hardly get around anymore i know i know we we got to pick the time if i go downtown it's absolutely you got to pick the time to yeah. get in and out and uh yeah i mean it's kind of weird some days i'm here all day and i go kind of nutty you know but yeah. but uh, but i'm i'm kind of like you i mean i i've figured out how to make this place work here mm-hmm. and uh and it's it's fine people don't mind traveling out and sure. uh you know, we got enough equipment to, 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 to make a sound. Sure. You know, so what else? Do you think you've got anything else to cover? I think we've kind of covered some interesting points for people. Um, well, I was going to just touch on um, my approach to, to tracking and mic selection. And um, I agree with uh, Chris Lorald. Uh, um, he talks about every piece of gear has an optimum setting. Uh-huh. And I think there's really something to that. If you futz around with a piece of gear, you'll find that sweet spot. Oh, and totally. it's hard to, to, um, do not, it's hard to get away from it. once you find it, you know, oh, totally. So, uh, I agree. I, I think that applies to microphones and, and just Improved. outboard gear in general. Yeah. Um, so I've spent a lot of time over the years just finding the optimum combinations. They don't yeah. always work because, of course, the, the source can be different. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's an interesting aspect of the whole tracking thing. Um, oh, totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's like Dan Dagmar wanting a 57. Exactly. <clears throat> and they, you, you find what works. Well, it, it, it's his ear. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when I find um, this particular microphone we're talking into... I always track it through that 6176. I've had that 6176, excuse me, my mumbling, since 2006. Uh-huh. And so I, that's my favorite preamp. Mm-hmm. 
it's getting old. Yeah, the, the lights out and the, the kids have broken the input. <laughs> I think you yeah. called me recently asking where you get the light fixed. I know, on and, and I've, you know, it's kind of hard to find it. Yeah, um, but um, you know, I find that's exactly. I know my go-to spot on that. Mm-hmm. And, and so many women have come and sang on this mic and go, how do you get... I never get that sound. It's just the right combination. It's just clear and yeah. to, the tone's pretty and and you know just compress it the right way. Mm-hmm. It, it, I love using that piece of gear. As you know, for guitars, so many people have, you know, Neve configuration, but I can get lazy and just use that piece of gear for everything if I wanted to. Right. You know, it's such a, a go-to piece, you know. Yeah. But Universal Audio, yeah, they make great stuff. You know, when you're talking about the Apollo and how simplified that's become, and mm-hmm. do you use the console now? You're using Apollo or or not? Uh, I don't. The Apollo uh, console, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I used to for uh, overdubbing. You know, for monitoring, you have to use. You have to go through that mm. um, to uh, to have you know for the Q system and so yeah. forth. Uh, I, I use. Yeah, what do I have? I have the Apollo 8 Mark, uh, whatever the latest one is. Yeah. And uh, it's got just a ton of DSP. I don't have yeah. a ton of, of their plugins, but I have a lot of Brainworks plugins, which, mm-hmm. uh, incidentally, they write code for UA <laughs> for a lot of their stuff. So right. that's Interesting. Uh, kind of getting it in a native format yeah. without the uh, the UAD yeah, right. uh, DSP aspect. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I've got a bunch of their favorite plugins and obviously stuff that I'd used for years that when I set up with the Apollo I had to rebuy it and whatever mm-hmm. you know my your favorite toys right. you know you know I'm I'm way more primitive than you are as you know uh, so uh, it's, I keep it as simple as I can <laughs> my youngest son Caleb's probably more getting more technical and he's like how do I learn more about this dad and I went well, get onto YouTube and get onto. Oh my gosh, yeah, what, the resources are phenomenal. Well, well um, Dustin Martin, my uh, assistant engineer and engineer that I work with, that you know, that's sure. now in Los Angeles, uh, he put us years back onto uh, Dave Pensado. Mm-hmm, sure. And there's Pensado's Place, I think it's called, isn't right. it? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's a great resource. Yeah, so Caleb watches that. He's like, you can have so many plugins on just one voice, Dad, you know? And I'm like, and I see what he's doing, and it's like, you know, there's no more room, you know? Right. But there's no limits. Well, that, you know, that's something we were talking about earlier. It's, we are talking about different steel players and their approaches. There's no one way to do it. No. Nah. Everybody kind of gravitates to the way that works for them, and, yep. and that's not really necessarily right or wrong for anyone else. It's nah. just right for them. There's no rules. Yeah. And that again, that's the art aspect of it. That's what yes. makes it so fun. Yeah, uh, just the creation. You know, your your palette is is open to yep. all kinds of possibilities. Yep, agreed. But when you you know in this town, uh, like budget considerations or just time, like I think Dave Pensado said, you either run out of time or money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, in this town, we tend to work pretty fast. You have to. Uh, yeah. And I think there's there's something to be said for that to not put off decisions yes it's easy to do with yes. having the computer control but it's great to just go for it and make a decision on the spot and of course that's what led to all those great recordings you know that we've all heard over the years yeah. that they yeah. didn't they didn't have the ability to put off decisions they had no. to commit yeah straight away yeah. bang motown yeah stacks some beach boys beatles you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. wow I think we covered some things that I've never covered here, Bill. So well, great. Um, if you want to go and find Bill Warner, you can find him. 
warnerworks.net. There you go. He's a great guy, fun guy, easy guy to work with. And thanks for chatting. I've been playing music at the end of these podcasts. Um, any suggestion of something we've worked on that we you like to play at the end of this I could import? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I have to think about that. All right. there's, there's been you know several great projects. So. Yeah, well, I'll find something. You, you, that, yeah. you pick. All right, I'll, I'll put pick. that on you. All right. Thanks for, having, thanks for coming over, My Bill. pleasure. It was fun. Okay. See you guys. Keep listening to our podcast. Cheers. Have a great day. Okay, then, Bill, I'm going to choose uh, that Isabella Richardson Izzy record we worked on. Uh, I think the track's called Pin Up Girls. So I hope you enjoy that, folks. See you next time. There's a lady in a magazine Feels like she's looking straight through